Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father Almighty God, we come before you tonight. We ask in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that tonight, as only you can, we ask that your word does remarkable things. We yield totally to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We ask tonight that Father Almighty God, as we gather as a family, that you do great things. Let your word strengthen, let your word guide, let your word be everything that we want it to be. We worship you, my Father, in Jesus' most holy name. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, what I'm going to do, um, what I'm going to do for the next, um, let's say about two or three minutes, let me just quickly, so that we're, we're all on the same page, um, I'm going to run over what, we, what we've done so far, just to give us, give us an idea, and then we'll go from there. If you are just joining, you're most welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, you really are. You're most welcome. It's great to see you here. Um, we wish you the very, very, tonight should be good. Um, I say that without any reservation, tonight should be good because God will be kind more than anything else. And so ladies and gentlemen, the first, so what we did was what we were talking about, we're looking at seven ways to keep the benefits of a fast. And so what do we do now? Because we've come through a fast, we've come through um a time of praying and fasting and it's been it was really great really intense so what do we do now so we ran over we actually ran over four things and a, and a half or one so we're going to go over that again so last week we if, if you weren't here last week really quick catch up is this do what you've prayed for if you've prayed for something then you've got to act on it um as much and as much as you can within wisdom just act on it the bible uh, you know, it, they're wonderful scriptures in the Bible and, and just making sure that they're real. And one of them is faith without works is dead. And so you've got to keep that in mind. The second thing is fight to keep the gains you've won. And, and when we say fight to keep the gains you've won, the major area that the battle is, is guard your heart. Um, guard your heart to make sure that what God has said, what God has promised, what God has, um, what God has laid on your heart he will literally and i mean that from the bottom of my heart he will do so guard your heart so if god's given you a promise hang in there so that was the second thing we talked about the third thing we talked about is the power of your words build your world with your words so we talked about that last week and um you understand the, the bible is, is quite clear we held on to Proverbs chapter 18, reading from verses 21. Um, and the Bible says, death and life are in the power of your tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You have the ability, and this is where you must realize that you are not a victim. Um, you are not in any way, shape or form a victim, not at all. And that is something you've got to keep in mind. Why do I say that is because you can, you have the creative ability of the almighty God on your inside and we're going to talk about that again today um with your words number four we said do not underestimate the power of a routine that even though going through a season of fasting going through 
um, you know, praying together for 21 days, fasting, um, praying at 6 a.m., 12 and um, 6 p.m. And, you know, basically praying through the watches. Don't be afraid to go back into your routine because God will, God knows how to make sure in the middle of your routine, he can make the miraculous happen. And so we, we talked about that last week. Now, the last thing we, we, we spoke about was we spoke about the impact of, of the Bible and we just touched on that. And so we're going to dive into that today. So ladies and gentlemen, if that, if you weren't here last week, you're pretty much caught up. You can listen to it again on the podcast and that will be great. And so what we do is, so what we're going to do first is this. So point number five and point number five. And so key number five is this. Testify, make sure you tell your story especially when God has done. Now, when when I say testify, if God has done something for you, um, if God has done something for you, make sure that you testify for a variety of reasons, Um, for a variety of reasons, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to go through a couple. And the first one is, and the first one of what I want you to realize is when I say testify, you've got to talk about what has happened to you. And we're going to go through this in a moment. So let's turn in our Bibles. Um, I'm going to, I'll pop it in the chat. Great. So if you can turn in your Bibles, please, to Mark 5. And Mark 5, and we're going to read from 25. And that's going to be one of our um, major readings tonight. I'm going to read from the King James Version of the Bible. Um, if there's anything that is unusual, then I will, I will talk about it so that we're, we are clear. Okay, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and so we're going to Mark five. We're going to start from verse 25. Now it's a very, it's a pretty famous story. So it's it's pretty much okay. The Bible says the following. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse when she had heard of Jesus. Pause. When she heard of Jesus, that means somebody told their story. When she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may but touch his touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straight away the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Verse 30. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see how that had done this thing. But when the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. She told him everything. And he said unto her, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. So that's Mark 5 verses 25 to 34. Great story. Why is it so important for you and I to testify. It is important because every time you rehearse 
what God has done, I want you to keep this in mind. Romans 10, 17 kicks in. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you now tell your story that this is what God has done for me, this is what God has done. This is how God has helped me. This is what God has done so far. It not only helps the person in front of you, but because you are telling the story and you are hearing it, it builds faith, confidence, belief, and assurance in you. And so it's some, so what it's really important that after a fast, tell your story. I mean, tell different stories, whatsoever those stories may be, whereby God just came through for you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be, when we say God came through for you, it doesn't have to be mega. It has to be true. That's all. It just has to be that God came through for you. It could mean that you found, well, you could not, not I was going to use the, the parking example, but I mean, really, most of us are walking around right now in all sincerity. So you begin to realize that God came through. I'll give you an example. Um, last week, just before the Bible study, um, I had had a very, very exhausting weekend, pretty much from Wednesday all the way up to Monday. So I'm two hours from the Bible study and I am literally, I'm falling asleep in my chair. That's how tired I was. And this is what, this is what you must realize about when God really helps you out. And the Bible study for me is so much fun. I, I love being with you guys. And I literally sit down six, about 6.40, 6.50, turn on, switch on Zoom and you know, I'm getting everything set. And I start having a conversation with the, the ladies in communications. From that moment forward, it was like somebody plugged me into a thousand volts. It is what where, where, where we get the word enthusiasm, different story, different message. But all of a sudden, everything came alive. And I had the most fun last week, honestly. But prior to that, I was exhausted. And when we finished, and when the Bible study finished, I sat down and I said to the Lord, how do you do this every time? Whereby... Once we start doing what, once or me, once I start doing what I'm wired to do, all of a sudden energy comes and it, God must sit in heaven and laugh. And it's like, don't you realize? And that for me is a miracle. Now, I hope someone who's had a tough day realizes that once you start doing what God has asked you to do, no matter how small, God will energize you the same way he will heal you, the same way he will bless you. We're going to stop and pause and do our declarations in about 10 seconds, and then we'll continue after that. But this miracles are miracles. Miracles are where God gets involved in your life. Let's declare um, healing over the United Kingdom, ladies and gentlemen. So let's go together. I'll, read, I'll, I'll lead. Oh, Lord, we are your people called by your name. We humble ourselves and pray. We seek your face. We turn from our wicked ways. Hear from heaven, Lord. Forgive our sins. 
and heal our land. In Jesus' name, amen. We declare that our land is healed in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. And then I say it with all my heart. Hear me well. Do not think that does nothing. And I say this really honestly. Do not think that what we do at 7.14 in the morning and 7.14 in the evening, it does something. It is building. It's filling a cup that will overflow into revival. God will heal our land. He will restore us to a country that is whole in every area and fasted. So what am I talking about? So let's go back to, so let's keep going. So when I say testify, that for me is a miracle. In the very same way, God energizes me to teach. God will bless. God will heal. God will guide. God will strengthen. And so I want you to realize, and the more I tell the story, the stronger my belief in that particular experience <clears throat> And that particular part that I can rely on God to come through, even if I'm going through a difficult time, it gets stronger and stronger. So testify because Romans 10, 17 kicks in. But notice also, when you now testify, take a look at our reading because testimonies not only bless you, but they bless the person in front of you. Now, let's have a look at this. The Bible says in Mark chapter five, which is where we were reading, Mark five, the Bible says that this woman had had a nightmare journey for 12 years, but then she hears of Jesus. Now, let's also understand, what does she hear? She may have heard that he was a great teacher and he, and he was a prophet, but someone told the story that I was there and he healed this person. I was there and this person walked away seeing. It was my cousin's wife's brother. It was my butcher. It was this person. Everybody knows somebody else. And the stories will be told. And you know, when people tell a story, even if they're not there, they will make sure you feel it. And if they're really good storytellers, they will take you there. She heard that story. And the Bible says it sparks within her faith. She processes the story into a maxim. And she says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be all right. And so ladies and gentlemen, notice, and, the, and that statement carries her through however long it takes for her to find Jesus. And that's why testifying, testifying empowers you. And notice what she heard became the word that we now find famous in that if I can just touch the hem of his garment. And so ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to do is this, rather than talk about all the weird and wonderful things on reality television or all the things that are going wrong, or you are rehearsing the coronavirus updates or whatever, talk about what God has done. No matter, and I say this carefully, and I, if I was writing it, I'll put it in inverted commas, no matter how small. If you can get through another day, if you've got through a day and you're okay, if you got in and out of Sainsbury's and you're good, 
if you, you know, if you literally got the last, um, the last bottle of sanitizer in Savers, then that's a miracle. Say so. Thank God for it. Celebrate for it. Tell your friends. Post it if you have to. But testify. Why? Because somebody out there needs to hear that God is real and they need to hear it from someone like you and I because then it has credence. The principle then works again. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you tell your story, it strengthens the person in front of you, yes, but it also strengthens you. And ladies and gentlemen, we begin to realize that that's, so, so that's something, do it regularly, testify. And I want you to keep in mind, I, I would love to go through the whole of this story, but the, you know what, I'll move on. I'll move on. And so, so that's number five. So let's go to number six. Number six is key. After a season of prayer and fasting, where you have given out a lot, ramp up your study of the Bible. So number six, ramp up your study of the Bible. When I say ramp up your study of the Bible, increase it. I mean, enjoy it. Enjoy the presence of God. Feed on what you've learned. Go over prayer points that may have really touched your heart, but read the Bible. Now, when, when we say ramp up your Bible, so let me put it in context, because let's break down what we mean by study the Bible. Read, study, meditate, confess, and do. I'll repeat that. Re okay, the Holy Spirit said I should write it down. So when we are talking about what to do when it comes to Bible study, those are the things you read, study, meditate, confess, and then do. Now, it sounds like a lot. It sounds like, ah, how are we going to do this? So let's look at a story. Come with me to Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 13. And this person did exactly that. Matthew 8, verses 5 to 13. Um, and when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion, and let me pause there. This is, this is let me just pause, and I, I, I have no worries about this. Someone needs to hear that your cry for healing is, has not fallen on deaf ears. The, mo he, the man came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, I need my servant, not me, my servant needs healing. Jesus' response was what? I will come and heal him. So ladies and gentlemen, please understand that, that your prayer for healing has not fallen on deaf ears, but let's read on. And the Bible says this, and the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shalt come under my roof but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled 
and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the self-same hour. Okay? Notice, what had the centurion done? Follow the steps. <clears throat> when you read the Bible, it is a story or it is an account that is written. So somebody had told the centurion, he had heard about Jesus, which is exactly the same way that you and I read the Bible. That means he read it. So he got the information. Then he studied it. That means he listened to all the stories and he realized that this guy is for real. He then processes it. Now, when I say processes it, this is where meditation comes in. He transferred the principles that he had seen into his own world. And so, ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the reasons you've been given an imagination. It is so that when you grab the word of God, you can create the pictures that will govern your experience. And what did he do? He made it, what the, the term used is, he contextualized it. That means this is how I understand faith. When I, a man, I'm, I'm, he's a soldier. He's, when he tells someone to do something, they do it. And there is no question. In the same way, if he is told to do something, he will do it without question. Live or die. That's how soldiers were, in particular Roman soldiers. Now, what that means is he now contextualizes what he understands about faith and goes and finds Jesus. And then he tells Jesus what he now knows about belief and faith. And this is key. So after a fast, this is what it means to read, study, meditate, confess, and then do. By the time he got to Jesus, he literally said to Jesus that, you know what? I understand what you've got. Just say the word. And Jesus stared. It was like, wait, you are not Israeli. You're not a Hebrew. And you have got it. And it's the beautiful thing. And I heard, I actually heard that phrase from Gloria Copeland this morning, where she said, you've got it. And Jesus marveled that way it's clicked for you. So this is what it means to meditate on the word. Study the word until it clicks. When it clicks, things then begin to happen because then all of a sudden you now realize that, you know what? No, it's okay. This works. I know that this works. And that's what it means. So after a fast, you really have to make sure you process what you've learned. And, ask, and let me put it in context. There are times when you, you will hear something said in a prayer meeting or you'll hear something said 
in, in one of the things that you go through in the prayer meetings or one of the Bible studies or one of the sermons, and it will hit you like a brick. Don't let it go. Sit down, write it down, find out what else the Bible says about it, then begin to say it about yourself and over yourself. It will change the way you are. And this is what it means. Why? This is the discipline necessary. Because then you're coming out of a fast. The burden of your life before the fast has not kicked in. It doesn't kick in immediately the fast ends, even though we try and make it to. So we're waiting six o'clock on the last evening. It is like free for all. You've got chips, you've got pizza, you've got bread, you've got biscuits. And it's like, wait for the gun to go. But the impact of your lifestyle does not kick in immediately. You are still sensitive. Your fast still makes your Bible study so much more easy. Your fast makes you more sensitive to the Holy Ghost. You are still more attuned to prayer. You are still more sensitive to the Holy Ghost. You are still more sensitive to the leading of the Lord. And so when you get into the Bible, into Bible study after a fast, God hammers in the information. What do you do from there? You read, study, meditate, and then confess, begin to say it about yourselves and say it to anybody else. And then, ladies and gentlemen, it will come to a point where you begin to act on what you have believed. And that's what the centurion did. Notice, and I hope this speaks to someone, and I say this from the bottom of my heart, I hope this speaks to someone. When he got to Jesus, it was what the centurion asked for. How he asked for it, that it was granted. And may that be your story, that what you ask for, may what you ask for in the way that you have asked for it, may it come to pass. And it will come to pass because the, the process of faith is really important. So that's what we, that's part one. And, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this. Why is this so important? And this is why I, um, I want to keep, I'll, I'll keep this here. It's this. The primary ingredient of God's involvement in your life is belief. Where belief is, it determines God's involvement in your world. That means when you go through a Bible study, it is not an empty discipline. It produces in your heart belief. Confidence in God, confidence in his ability, confidence in his willingness to do for you, confidence the lord and so what i want you to realize is why do i say ramp up your bible study because belief determines how much god will do in your world the absence of belief if you have a look at we'll look at two scriptures the absence of belief limits god's ability in your life 
even though he's the almighty God. Turning your Bibles, please. So let's drive this point home. Turning your Bibles to Matthew 13, 58. Matthew 13, verse 58. And Jesus goes, I'll tell you the story. Jesus goes home to speak in Nazareth. He goes into the synagogue and he speaks he reads the book of isaiah he tells them that you know this is this is this book is um fulfilled in your hearing and they got very upset he spoke and the bible says that and i'll read okay verse i'll read from 54 so um matthew 13 and i'm going to read from 54 to the end 54 to 58 And when he was coming to his own country, this is Jesus, he, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, whence has this man this wisdom and these mighty works? So first, he blows them apart, okay? He blows them apart. The next thing is, listen to what kicks in. Then they begin to say, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren, James, Joseph, and Simon, and Judas, and his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence has then has this man all these things? It's a crab mentality. It's like, wait, who let you out of the basket? When did you become special? And please, ladies and gentlemen, anybody who speaks into your life like that, very simply, politely disconnect, unfollow, unfriend. Don't follow their posts. Doesn't matter how wonderful they are. If they are not what anyone who's not building your life is breaking it. So just switch off. They were freaked because it was like, we know you. We saw you grow up. When did the switch happen? And that's a whole new message. But you've got to focus on what God has said about you. The Bible says this, verse 57, and they were offended in him. That How can you be talking to us? We know you, and we, we were the ones that taught you in the synagogue, and now you're telling us that we are wrong. But Jesus said unto them, and these are famous words, a prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And the Bible says this, and this is a frightening indictment of unbelief. He said, and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief belief unbelief limits god's involvement in your life belief unleashes it that's why you study the bible because out of the bible that is where the primary ingredient of you pleasing god comes because by the time you have done what we've said read study meditate confess and do the the resultant effect is faith and belief and the bible says let me read you i'll just read one verse to drive this home turn with me to mark 9 23 mark 9 and we're going to read 23 and i will read it in the I'll read it in the King James and then I may read another version. The Bible says, Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all 
things are possible to him that believeth. Now, pause for a moment. Belief is a product as much as it is a gift. It's a product of reading, studying, meditating, confessing, and doing. Belief is the outcome of the efforts you put in in your closet. It is not something that the Holy Ghost can make the gift of faith operate, but when it comes to belief, where you come to God and you believe beyond or reasonable doubt, it is the product of something, and it is the product of a life of study. And so after a fast, study what you've learned, go over your notes, read through the Bible verses that you, you heard that you liked, grab the principles, go over them, find out what the Bible says, for a very simple reason, ladies and gentlemen, the faith that you build will cause the impossible to become a part of your daily experience. So may it be to you. Amen. All right, let's go. That's number six. Okay. It's number six. Let's go to number seven. All right. <laughs> number seven. And number seven, we've got to keep in mind, this is after a fast. Um, we've only got two more to go. So there will be time for your questions. Um, okay. John, I've got a, a direct message. I'll come to that question at the end. Fantastic question. Absolutely fantastic question. Really good. Really good. So I've copied it. So definitely we'll get to that. Very good question. Um, so let's go to number seven. Replace a period of fasting with a season of moderation. Let me repeat that. Replace a season of fasting where you are abstaining from something pleasant or you're abstaining from food, water, or you're abstaining from Instagram. I, I mean, I, a lot of people fasted from social media. That says a lot. So if you've done that, replace a season of fasting with a season of moderation. Moderation does not necessarily mean I'll only use it a little. Moderation means, <laughs> uh, moderation actually means when you allow your actions to be guided or limited by something more important. And I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. Um, all the questions, to, I've got two so far, we're gonna get there in a minute. So let's have a look at this. Turn with me to the book of Nehemiah chapter six. And I want, oh, I, 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 this is something I, I want you to grab. A season of moderation, especially when you've come out of a fast is if, unless the fast was not effective and, and ladies and gentlemen, we can acknowledge that the ones we've been on have been effective there you will know more than when you went in when you come out allow god 
and your relationship with God to create a season of moderation or focus. Remember we said, do what you've prayed for. That means when you come out of a fast, there's certain things you can't do because you don't want to blow up the gains that you've got. So let's have a look at this. Turn with me to Nehemiah 6. I'll put it in the chat, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Nehemiah 6. And we're going to read from 1 to 3. Now it came to pass when Sambalat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates. Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. So they had built the wall, but now they were about to hang the gates. That means they were in a season of change. They were moving forward. Then Sambalat and Geshem sent unto me saying, come let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono, but they thought to do me mischief. This is where distraction kicks in. Notice what Nehemiah says, and I sent messengers unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Nehemiah allowed a season of moderation. What was moderating his actions? I've got a job to finish and you lot are not on the same page as I am. That means, so when you come out of a season of fasting, notice if you switched off social media and you felt better for it for four weeks, or you switched or you stayed away from that amount of food, or you stayed away from that particular person, or you didn't pick up your phone or whatsoever it may be. The deal is this, allow after a season of fasting, whereby this is God giving you the divine ability to cut something off, step into a season of moderation, limit what you do. So don't go back and say, right, I've missed social media for three weeks. Let me go and read everything that I've missed. Let me drink in everything. Let me stay on reels for six or seven hours. No, no, what is this? Let a season of moderation kick in because you will realize there is more to life than what you put down. Let me give you an example. Last year, I went on my first only water fast where I, I did 40 days on just liquid. Um, no smoothies, nothing. It was literally just 40 days. It was amazing. I came to realize that there is a world outside of mine. The first thing I realized, just out of interest, the first thing I realized was I didn't die. And so I realized someone has been lying to me in that if I don't have the pizza or if I don't have three meals a day, sometimes five, sometimes seven, don't judge me. Life is good if you include snacks. It all depends. In all sincerity, if I don't have that many amounts of meals, I'm going to die. If I don't have the Big Mac, if I don't, and seriously, and by the way, for those of you that love, the, um, not, not the Big Mac, what's the one? Oh, the Whopper Deluxe or whatever it is. 1500 calories in one burger if i don't get it it's done this is the deal i realized that there is a life outside of the one that i am being sold 
This is key. So when you come out of a fast, for as much as you're no longer being forced to deny yourself, create a season of moderation. That means let something else govern your focus. So what happens with Nehemiah? Nehemiah says, you know what? I would love to come down to you, Lord, and we could have a slanging match, but that's not viable. I am doing a great work. My life has to count. And right now, that doesn't include you. So this is something you've got to realize. You've just got to realize that, listen, this is something that doesn't include you. And it is a season of moderation. Give it a shot. Try it. Have a smaller breakfast. Use a smaller plate. Replace the snack times with a, and I say this carefully, with a Bible study. Listen to, change the type of music you listen to. I'm not saying wipe it out, but moderate it because you realize you're going somewhere. Your life counts for something more than everything else they told you. And that's why I said, allow a season of moderation to kick in. Also, if you're focused on getting a miracle, let that miracle, let that journey be what governs your actions. Even if people are going to call you a fool for it, stick with the Lord. He will come through on your behalf. And notice, Nehemiah told them, listen, I'm doing a great work. And let me say this, and um, it's interesting, the Holy Ghost says this, no matter what anybody says, you are doing great. Why? You've kept going. Irrespective. And that's the focus. You and the Lord together are doing great. And something will kick in. So keep that in mind, okay? A season of moderation. And the last thing, the last thing about how do you keep the... the benefits of a fast, and then I'll, I'll jump on the questions. The last thing is this. Whatever the Lord told you to do, do, even if it doesn't make sense. Now, you say, oh, but what do you mean? No, no. When you're fasting, more than likely, God will tell you to do something it may not make practical sense, but it will definitely make history. And the Bible bears us out. The Bible bears us out. I mean, the, 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 the scripture I, I picked was Second Chronicles 20. They went into a season of fasting. We don't have time to read it tonight. They went into a season of fasting. They spent a night in praise and worship. They organized themselves in the morning and then God gave them an instruction that made no physical sense, but it made spiritual sense. He said, put the singers on the front line and let them, and I'm go I'll turn there. So I'm now in 2 Chronicles 20. 
And this is what they sang. Second Chronicles 20, verse 21. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. Second Chronicles 20, verse 21. He appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Praise the Lord. Let's speak it over somebody's life. Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. 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 It did not make physical sense. Somebody who saw their battle strategy would have said, you lot are crazy, but they found a spiritual principle and it is found in Psalms 22 verse 3 that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. That means when they sang, that was the safest thing for them to do because God went into battle before them. And so, ladies and gentlemen, um, I, I, I want you to realize the Lord will have given you an instruction. It might be a big one or a small one. Do what he told you to do. He will do the heavy lifting. If you're not sure, that's fine. Speak to somebody and help verify it before. And like I said, if you, if you feel that, well, you know what? I don't want to work in this job again. Don't resign in the morning. There's a process. But do what God told you to do. If the Lord says, okay, do it this way. Do what God told And it will not necessarily make sense now, but it will make sense in the long run. Like the children of Israel, they, like I said, you know, that, that phrase works. If this is where you really miss church. That phrase, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endureth forever. It, the word used is magnify. And it magnifies the Lord. And the Bible says God inhabited the praises of his people. God may ask you to be kind to somebody. God may ask you to forgive somebody. Well, you can't really go and hug somebody unless you feel the need to hug the Amazon delivery bloke. It, I mean, it's very simple. It's God is going to ask you to do something, a text message, um, calling somebody, remembering somebody's birthday. It might be little. It might be sending a gift, calling someone on a difficult day. But do what God told you to do. The rest will be history. And after a fast, there will always be an instruction. After a time of fasting, there will always be an instruction. So ladies and gentlemen, you, the benefits of obedience are undeniable. And just like the children of Israel, the Bible said by the time they got to the battlefield, because they were brave enough to do 
something that had never been done before. They got a result that nobody had got before. They got to the battle and everybody they were expecting to fight was dead. The enemies that they were worried about, the thing that had driven them into the fast was wiped out. So may it be with you. So may it be if you're fighting a virus, so may it be that you're fighting an enemy that's invisible, so may it be that you are fighting something that has refused to change, so may it be for you. Just do what the Lord says. And so ladies and gentlemen, those eight ways hopefully will help you keep the benefits of a fast. Let's jump into the questions. We've got about eight minutes left. That's more than enough time. And so I've got two I'm gonna grab. Okay, let's grab that one as well. Okay, the first one, um, the first one is this. How do you balance asking God for a very specific thing you desire and having faith that God can do it, but also understanding that God ultimately has a master plan which might be different to what you are asking for? It's, it's beautiful. That's a very, very lovely question. Whereby there might be a difference in that God, this is what I really want. And this is what I'm praying for. But how do I now balance it whereby, God, I know you may have a plan for me and I realize that what you want for me is better than what I want for myself. How do you do that? It's called what we find in Luke 22. And Jesus summarizes that challenge for us. Luke 22. And I'm going to read, I'll read, so I'll put it in the chat. Luke 22, ladies and gentlemen. And we're looking at verses 41 to 40, 41 to 43 or 44, 41. Let's go to 44. So Luke 22. So how do you balance it whereby you feel that your desires and God's desires might be clashing, but you're willing to go with God? This is how Jesus prayed. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and knelt down and prayed. Jesus is praying in the garden of Gethsemane, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Then Jesus makes a statement. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Put a caveat in your prayers that, Lord, this is what I want. This is what I, um, this is what I want. This is what I believe for. This is what I really want. But God, you know what? I trust you. And I trust you to the point that if you say go left, I'll go left. Knowing that ultimately, I cannot plan for a future better than the one you have prepared for me. And so what do you do? You literally, in the place of prayer, in your place of relationship with the Lord, submit to the Lord and say, Lord, you know what? This is what, I, and be honest, this is what I want. This is who I want to marry. This is what I think. This is where I want to work. This is what my desires are. But you know what, God? If you have a different plan, I'm square. I'm good with it. And leave the, and the Lord will then, if he needs to change your mind, he will do so gently. He will bring someone into your world. He will bring information to you. He will open your eyes in certain areas. He will get it done. 
or he may just take the option away and you realize, well, God, I have to make a new plan anyway, because that option has gone. And then you realize that, Lord, but I trust the fact that you have led me. So great question. What do you do? You literally say to the Lord, this is my conflict. Help me. And he will. James chapter one, verse five also says the same thing, but we'll go on. Okay, great question. Second question. I've got three um, and I'm deliberately copying them. So I won't lose them in the chat. Second question. What do you do when you're suddenly struggling with studying the Bible? There's a real battle with the flesh. The previous enjoyment, excitement, and joy of spending time in the world is greatly reduced, but I still read the Bible, but not really study. I think this is down to emotional and physiological impact of the lockdown. Okay, great question. So this happened to me sometime last week, and I couldn't put my finger on it. I, I mean, everything just... You know, where you just literally shut down. You literally shut down. This happened to me on Saturday, to be honest. I knew I had lots to do. I, I've got loads of instructions from the Lord. I wanted to carry stuff out. I wanted to study also, and I couldn't do a thing. You have to realize you cannot obey God when you're tired. And don't feel guilty when you take a break. And it's something that I've got that, that really, this is what, this is why there is a Sabbath. Because if you've got to a point, um, if you've got to a point and you find that, well, it's all not working anymore, take a break. Um, let me put it in, let me put it into a scripture for you so that you, you understand. Um, the book of Isaiah and let's go to 30, and we'll look at verse 15. Isaiah 30, verse 15. We will get there. Isaiah 30, verse 15. Let me, 30, 15. Here you go. Okay. Um, oh, wow. Questions are coming in thick and fast, and I'm going to, we'll grab as many as we can. Um, Isaiah 30 verse 15, the Bible says, for thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall you be saved, in quietness and confidence shall be your strength, meaning where you feel like you've run out, all the Lord is saying is, come back to me, don't worry about the battle, don't worry about the fight, I've got that, come back to me and let me refill you. Let me restore the joy of your salvation. Um, Psalm 23, reading from verses 1 to 3 is key. The, where the Bible says that the Lord will make you lie down. So when you feel that you are struggling, because you can't stay on it 24-7, it's not fundamentally possible. Watch a movie, take a break, take a rest, um, and allow your body to recover. Also, uh, give cut yourself some slack in that God is still in absolute control. Now, the lockdown may have rocked many of us, and I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate the fact that we've had our minds battered. We've had our, I mean, I just realized I haven't, I mean, we've been doing this now for a year. It is a freak out. It's almost like prison. And so it, it's, it's hits us, I agree. So what do you do? 
find places where enthusiasm kicks in. Begin to carve out time to do the things you love. Begin to carve out time if you're homeschooling children, carve out time when you can laugh a lot. Carve out time when you can play with them. Um, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, do something that you have an enthousi enthusiasm for. Creativity is a great outlet, absolutely great outlet. Create something, write a poem, do, I mean, do something, do something that you enjoy doing, bake a cake. Uh, I mean, not too many if you're gymming it, but hey, bake a cake and give it away. I mean, give it to the delivery driver, he'll thank you for it. So, you know, but create something. Do what God says. Now, also, when you find yourself struggling, sometimes it means God is saying you're trying to do this in your own strength. Step back and trust me. Um, to close that question out, Jeremiah 17, 5 to 8. Jeremiah 17, 5 to 8. And have a look at the difference between relying on yourself and relying on the Lord. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Let me grab some more. Okay. I've got another question. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm just taking a few seconds to copy them just to make sure that even if I, we run out of time, we have actually, we, we've run out, of, we're a minute over. Um, Okay. I'm just going to grab as many as I can. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, I'm also getting some testimonies. That's really great. Okay. The next question I've got really quickly um, is in terms of focus, I understand that the things of the world are constantly at conflict with the kingdom of God. But is tunnel vision for the kingdom bad? Because I feel like it always puts me in a naive position. How do you focus on the kingdom without isolating the world? Wow, great question. Let's put this in context. Remember, how do you focus on the kingdom and not become like completely shut down whereby like you're climbing on a mountain? It's something that Jesus said. Remember, all the things your relationship with God gives you the ability to interact with others in a way that glorifies God. So you are not supposed to run from the world, but you can be in it, but not of it, because you have control of your words, your thoughts, and your actions. Now, what happens if you find yourself, well, but I have to be at work and everybody's swearing, or I, the way I work, you know, my environment of work, it's not necessarily Christian. Let's clarify. The, you will have the opportunities to demonstrate your faith at different times, even though you have a regular life and wait for that moment. Let me give you an example. I'm, a, I'm a, an American football fan. I, we are three minutes over. I'm going to have to close it in a moment. I'm an American football fan. 
when the Indianapolis Colts won the Super Bowl, you all, there's something about moments that you must never miss. Tony Dungy was their coach. Peyton Manning was their quarterback. The owner comes up and he waves the trophy, celebrates as usual, you know, for the five to 10 million, five to 10 billion people that are watching it. Um, he hands the trophy to Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, who is an absolute gentleman, speaks very politely, celebrates with the fans, and then they hand the trophy to Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy it was the first African-American coach to win the Super Bowl. At that time, he had, in those moments, so his whole career boils down to one moment. He's handed the trophy, and this is what he says. He says, first, let me celebrate my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is not a, let me just thank God. Mm -mm, this is a, let me genuinely celebrate Jesus who has got me here. Probably through a whole deal of prejudice. Then he says, I would also like to celebrate the fact that these are two black, two African-American coaches coaching the Super Bowl finalist teams, which was unusual. So whoever won was going to be famous. It was the um, Pittsburgh Steelers coach. Um, Lovey, I think it's Lovey Smith. He was all, the other coach. And Tony Dungy celebrates him. Then he celebrated Jesus. He celebrates the other coach. He celebrates the fact that this is an African-American person. And this moment should not be lost. Then he thanks his team. And he says nothing else and hands the trophy to the next person who goes on the screens about, you know, what a wonderful game. Net, please keep this in mind. Your life and your journey with Christ will be played out in your relationships with others, but it will be in moments. Don't miss the moments. Moments will allow you to demonstrate your faith in God in an unbelieving world. It will not be all the time, but it will be at pivotal times. And so this is, the, this, is, this is key. So one of the things about where you'll find yourself walking in the world, this is where you rely on the Holy Spirit. And I'll just use one scripture because we are absolutely out of time. Um, Romans chapter eight, reading from verse 14, the Bible says, they that are led by the Spirit, they are people that if you are, that they are the sons of God. And so please remember, I hope the story helped. Don't get under pressure. Live, be skilled, be diligent, be focused, but be Christ-like. Believe me, the people around you will notice when it matters. Okay, I really hope that helped. Um, okay, ladies and gentlemen, the other questions I've got, I've got some really good testimonies and I celebrate all of them here, absolutely great. I hope you've had a wonderful evening. God bless you. I wish you the best. Any questions we haven't got to, we will get to. We wish you the very best and I'll see you next week. God bless you, ladies and gentlemen.